welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. God we serve. Amen. Nobody like Jesus. Praise God. Amen. No matter where you're at in life, what valley you're walking through, what mountaintop you might be on, you can have confidence that the Lord is there. Praise God. And uh, uh, we're just excited. Amen. For our Spanish. And we're looking to grow. And uh, appreciate and Sister Gardner's passion Amen. for that. And uh, it's a little easier to uh, do it when you know the language. I've always got to use an interpreter. But uh, they are well qualified in the art of Spanish speaking. So that's, that's great. Praise God. Amen. Acts the 10th chapter this evening. What a buildup we had to Easter Sunday morning, and then the presence of the Lord was in this place, and, and uh, we were full to overflowing, and, and uh, I think they told me we had 99 cars out there in the lot, and 99 cars is, is uh, quite a bit to have out there, but it all went well, and uh, we're excited about that, and uh, praise God. The Lord is good. It's good to have Sister Nikki's family with her tonight. Praise God. It's good to have you here in uh, Middletown, Ohio. Amen. Just about 100 feet that way, you'd be in Monroe, but you're still in Middletown now, so praise God. I've had a discussion with the tax people on that. Amen. So it's interesting. It was a good discussion, not a bad discussion. Anytime you're talking to tax people, that, that's usually a bad discussion, but this is a good discussion. Tenth chapter of the book of Acts, verses 1 through 6. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave much alms to the people and prayed to God always. He saw in a vision evidently about the ninth hour of the day an angel of God coming into him and saying unto him, Cornelius. And when he looked on him, he was afraid and said, What is it? What is it, Lord? Or what, what do you want? And he said unto them, Thy prayer and thine alms are come up before a memorial before God. And now send men to Joppa. Call for one Simon, whose surname is Peter. He lodgeth with one Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. He shall tell thee what thou oughtest to do. Amen. How many is glad that somebody told you what to do? <laughs> Praise God. That's the, that's the important part of our relationship with God. Amen. And uh, we all start somewhere, right? And I'm glad somebody told me. My, my life is a, little, is a little bit more, is a little different than everybody else because, you know, you may have, uh, been uh, raised in this maybe and some of you have not but my, I'm, a little, I'm a little different because I was adopted into it and so I thank God every day that it happened the way it did because I, I know where the rest of the family is now on both sides good people but they're not in the truth and I'm glad that amen that I was placed in a family that amen uh, loved truth and preached about truth Let's raise our hands tonight and we'll let you be seated. We've been up and down quite a bit. Lord God, we thank you once again for your goodness and mercy and love and kindness that you have so graciously shown to us. We thank you for this opportunity once again tonight to be in your house of worship on this Wednesday evening. And we ask God that as we open up our hearts to your word, amen, I pray, Lord, that, that you would touch us with your word. Let it be a seed that's planted deep inside of us, that it might take root and grow and help us in our everyday walk with you and in our everyday work for you. In Jesus' wonderful name we pray, and let everybody say amen. amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Now, 
because we had some changes where we had some corporate prayer uh, a couple weeks and then communion service the third week and then Easter that weekend, if you'll go back and remember in Acts 9, we talked about the conversion of Saul. Uh, Saul was a devout Pharisee who persecuted the church. He thought he was doing the right thing. Amen. And uh, how that when he was on his way to Damascus, he had gotten the letter from the high priest and he was going to imprison those Christians that were there in Damascus. Amen. He had a vision on his way there and uh, light shined on him and uh, he was blinded by that vision. And uh, then he was told to go into Damascus and uh, wait there and somebody would come uh, to uh, explain to him and, and, and visit him basically and tell him what he needed to do. And so thus, that, thus at that point he was healed of his blindness, he was baptized in the name of the Lord and he received the gift of the Holy Ghost. How many has got that, that gift of the Holy Ghost tonight? It was there he began to preach Jesus and uh, he suffered his first persecution. We read about that. He continued, uh, uh, we talked about the continuing ministry of Peter and mirroring the, ra the, the raising of Jairus' daughter with the raising of Tabitha and uh, how they abided in Joppa. Now here we talk about Cornelius. Cornelius was a, a, uh, a centurion of the Italian band. But let me, let me kind of give you five things, five good things, five good things, everybody say good things, five good things that can't save you. Five good things that cannot save you. Number one, devoutness. Cornelius was a devout. The Bible says he was a devout man. He was living righteously. He had that down. He, he was almsgiving. He feared God. The second thing, he feared God. Everybody say he feared God. Amen. So he was devout. He feared God. The third thing that won't save you is he gave to the poor. Right? That's a good thing, right? That's a good thing. Amen. We, when you give to people that are in need, that's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. And when you do that, don't, don't get on your little soapbox and think you've done something fantastic. You're just doing what's right. Right? Amen. I'm not, I'm not doing that to get accolades. I'm not doing that to get a pat on my back. I'm doing that because of Jesus Christ. Right? Hallelujah. Everybody say praise the Lord. So number one, he was devout. Number two, he feared God. Number three, he gave the poor. Another thing that won't save you is number four, he prayed on a regular basis. <clears throat> Praying on a regular basis. Anybody can pray. I, I, I know alcoholics that will pray. They'll pray when that light turns on behind them and they're getting pulled over because they've been driving like they shouldn't be driving. And then it's like, oh God, help me, Jesus. Right? Amen. I've been in that situation where, where we pulled a guy over and he knew he was in trouble. And so being a chaplain... Uh, he starts talking to me, and uh, then he's saying, uh, hey, he said, I got a Bible. He said, I got a Bible in the back seat. Can you get the Bible for me, and can you bring it, whatever? And so uh, uh, in, in my thing, you know, I'm, I'm trying to help people, all right? And so, and, and so, but there's people, there's all kinds of people that will pray, but praying alone will not save you, right? It's like a kid that gets in trouble. How many, how many has been a kid one time or another in your life? Now, Let's go back a little bit, not today. Today's a wash. You know what I'm saying? We, today, parents would go to jail. But, but uh, back then, back then, if I knew I was in trouble, hey, you know, you could pray real quick. Like, oh, God, save me, Lord God. Let mom forget that, Lord God. Right? You could pray. Now, I'm telling you what. Amen. And, and, I, and I've heard him pray. I've heard kids pray when mom and dad go after him, you know. And then I'm thinking, oh, Lord Jesus. Right? Amen. So devout, number one, devoutness won't save you. Fear of God won't save you. Giving to the poor won't save you. Praying on a regular basis won't save you. And even, number five, even having a vision won't save you. All right? So think of those things. Uh, good, good things? Yes, they're good things. Good things. Amen. But those things alone will not save you. Because there's a lot of people that say, I am a good Christian or I'm a good person. Being a good person won't save you. Right? Amen. And so we have to realize, so, so there has to be something that there's got to be a response off of that. Something that you respond to. And so when you look at the vision of Cornelius, the Bible says it was about the ninth hour. And, uh, and really the ninth hour is uh, a regular prayer time for 
those that are in the Jewish faith. And so uh, evidently Cornelius the Bible, was a believer in God, but was not a true Jewish proselyte. In other words, he wasn't a convert as of yet to that. And so as a Roman centurion, uh, you know, he was probably uncircumcised. And so uh, uh, that, that would tell you right there that he wasn't. And, and, and then he sees an angel. Everybody say an angel. Now, I don't know if you've ever seen an angel before. I don't know if you've ever felt an angel before or felt their presence. But I, I'll tell you one thing right now. Most people, if they saw an angel or anything like that, would probably be taken aback a little bit. And so this must have been the first time for Cornelius to experience anything like this. Now, we do not know what specifically that Cornelius was praying for. We, it doesn't tell us that. But, uh, you know, maybe uh, uh, as a personal opinion that he was praying for maybe a deeper understanding or maybe a, a deeper revelation of God. Because how many have ever ran into those kind of people before? Where they're praying, they're reading their Bible, and they're praying for that. God, show me who you are. God, you know, you know I want to know you more. Send somebody into my life that can help me. You know, like, the, like we talked about a few weeks ago, Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch, right? Amen. So we understand all this. So we don't know, but, but probably I would say he might have been trying to pray for a deeper understanding and revelation from God. So Cornelius recognized that this being or this angelic being was, uh, was what he was seeing was supernatural. And like most people would be, and when you read in the Bible, you understand when people understand what they're seeing, they become afraid. Even at the birth of Christ, you know, and, and the angels and the shepherds, you know, we go through the Christmas story. And they were, and they were afraid. See, when we pray, you know, how do we pray? Do we expect God to answer this? Or do we just kind of feel, I'm just going to fill in the time here and I'm going to pray a little bit because I know this is the right thing to do. How many's pray, how many's, how many's ever prayed like that before where you're doing it because it's just the time? Now y'all, y'all kind of just, you're afraid. You're, you think I'm setting you up for something right now, Right? Amen. Come on, I'll, I'll tell you. Sometimes I pray, you know, it depends, you know, you, you, whatever mood you're in or whatever, you do it because you're just like, oh, just, I got to do this, I got to do this, I got to do this. But, but then how many's ever prayed one time or another when there was an urgency in you and it just seemed like that there was nothing that was going to stop you from, from seeing God do what you're asking him to do? There's, you know, there's an answer, you know, there's an answer that I'm praying for. Amen. Do we expect God to answer us? Do we expect that? Or when we ask God for something, do we expect him to answer us? Right? When we pray, do we expect it? When we ask him, do we expect it? Amen. So we, we, we read here about, about Cornelius, about the memorial. It has come up before God, right? You see thy prayers. Amen. The next time you have uh, spent in private devotion or in your prayer, understand it goes up before God. So that's the one thing that catches me when I'm, when I'm kind of lackadaisical and I'm kind of just trying to do my time, amen, when I'm just kind of going through the motions and I'm just kind of praying the prayer, every now and then I get a snapback that simply says, what am I doing? These prayers are going up before God, not just, 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 just some kind of a, a wooden idol or a stone or something of that nature, but no, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God, the creator of all things. My prayers are going up before God. Amen. And so I have to stop for a moment and say, wait a minute, I, I'm, I'm talking to the King of Kings. And so I have to realize that, that my prayers are, they, they do go up before the Lord. And, and that personal devotion and that, that, that private time that you're studying and praying does matter. Amen. No matter like Sister Amanda said, she didn't feel like coming in church tonight and all that kind of stuff, you know, that you do. Uh, you know, sometimes how many, we all feel that way every now and then, right? We feel that way, but we do it anyway. Why? Because we want what we felt in the worship service because that can make the difference between a good day and a bad day. So understand this. When you do that, God notices when you pray. Amen. And, and he notices when you don't too. Right? 
When you, when you lack the communication with God, he notices it. You say, well, what, what, let's go back to the beginning. Amen. Adam, 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 and, 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 and God would come down and they walk in the cool of the morning and they would talk. They would, they would talk. They would, they would converse back and forth. There was, there was this relationship. But then what happened when, when the story progresses and all of a sudden they realize their eyes were open. They did what God told them not to do. And then what did they do when God come calling? They hid themselves. You see, sometimes when the days aren't good, we hide ourselves. And we, I use that terminology, but you know what I'm talking about. We may not pray. We may not, we may not pick up the Word of God. We just kind of hide ourselves, and God comes calling and says, Hey, where are you at? He knows where we're at all the time, just like he did Adam and Eve. He knew where they were at, right? But, but he wants this conversation. And sometimes we have to, we have to understand that, that God notices us when we pray. Let me say it again, and he notices when we don't pray. Amen. So, so that's the thing about, uh, about Cornelius' prayer. It came up as a memorial before God. God hears your prayer. And, and, the, and, the, and the second thing was that, that the alms, alms, the charitable giving, what, have, what you have given. You see, God is concerned with your giving as well. Some people say, ah, that don't matter. Oh, yes, it does. God does. God is concerned with your giving. He knows when you give and he knows when you don't give. You know what? Let me stop and tell you this. He knows where your heart's at when you give and where it is when you don't give. He knows when you give it as an offering and to honor, you know, the, the, the honor God and you're giving it as unto the Lord, right? And he knows when you're doing it grudgingly. And when you're like, well, if I don't do this, then, you know, they're going to think I'm backslid or they're going to think this or they're going to think that. No, you don't worry about anybody else. You need to do it unto the Lord. Do it because it's the right. Everybody say the right thing to do. So he knows when I give. Come on, say it with me. He knows when I give. And he knows when I don't. Right? He knows when I pray. And he knows when I don't. And you see, Cornelius received an answer to his prayer. Why? Why did he receive an answer? Because he had spent time doing what God wanted him to do. So I'm here to tell you tonight, there's, there's a lot of people that prayed unto God before they ever knew the Lord personally, but they prayed to him, they knew there was a God, and they prayed God, and God would send something, somebody into their life, right? Amen, to present the gospel to them. Cornelius is one of those people. He received instruction from that angel, and the angel said, I need you to send for a man by the name of Peter. Here's where he's at. Don't you wish all the instructions from the Lord was like that? Huh? Don't you wish they were that cut and dry? Praise God. Amen. So he received the instruction. And he said, you know, here is the, here is the name and here is the address. Right? Here's, here's who it is. You know, understand this. Angels can't preach. They can't give, they can't preach a salvation or give a salvation instruction. Doesn't that seem odd? Does it seem odd? That, that okay, the, the angel comes according, and instead, he doesn't tell him how to be saved. He says, let me send you to one that can instruct you in these ways. Right? Amen. And so he sends it to Peter at Simon Tanner's house. And, and, and so that, that, that has only been given. Now, angels will give instructions and they will give, you know, tell it, to, you know, Jesus was born, you know, in Bethlehem, you know, and this, you know, go there. Or angels will direct people uh, in the Old Testament, New Testament. You'll see all this stuff going on. Amen. But, but you and I, God has filled us with his spirit and we are to be testimonies of that experience and preach it to people. Amen. So they can't, they, they can't do that, but that, that has only been given to those, I believe, that have experienced the salvation of Jesus Christ for themselves, right? So if humanity does not preach about salvation, then the message is not going to go forth, in my opinion. Now, God can do, God can do anything, right? He can do anything. But God has chosen man. He's chosen us. Amen, to put this gospel. So let's look at Acts, the 10th chapter again, and let's go in verse 9 through 16. The Bible says, On the morrow, as they went on their journey and drew nigh to the city, Peter, Peter went up upon the housetop to pray 
about the sixth hour. And he became very hungry and would have eaten, but while they made, while they made ready, he fell into a trance saw the heaven open and a certain vessel descending unto him as it had been great sheet knit at the four corners and let down on the earth wherein were all manner of four-footed beasts on the earth and wild beasts and creeping things and fowls of the air and there came a voice to him rise rise Peter come on rise eat and, and, and kill and eat and then Peter knowing what he knew he said not so Lord for I have never eaten anything that is common or unclean and the voice spake unto him again second time what God hath cleansed let that call not thou common and it goes on to say this was done three times right this was done thrice and the vessel was received up again into heaven three times everybody see three times amen so this was a vision once again that Paul or I'm sorry that Peter had when he went up to pray I don't know about you, but when I go up to pray, I, 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 wanna, I, I want to have a sense that I'm hearing something from God, right? I want to hear something from God. I just don't want to feel around for it. I don't want to leave, uh, uh, you know, uh, the same way I came, so to speak. I, 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 I want to have a relationship with God that brings me into a new place with Him. Amen. I, I want God, I want that strength, I want that, that touch, I want that anointing, and, 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 and I want to be in that place where if God so chooses to touch me in a certain way. So as the men of Cornelius were approaching the city of Joppa, God begins to orchestrate things that they will flow together. You know, boundaries. How many have ever heard of boundaries before? Boundaries, boundaries of space and time when it comes to God, they're meaningless because God can go wherever he wants to go and move on whoever he wants to go. That's why we pray for our missionaries, folks. Amen. The Spirit of God can go where they're at. We don't know what's going on in their life. We don't know what's happening to them. But sometimes God will quicken you in the, in the early morning hours or sometime in the day and you'll feel like I need to pray for something but you don't know what you need to pray for. But yet you'll find out later on down the road that something was going on somewhere else. And God specifically had you to intercede for that situation. Amen. And I believe what happened was God orchestrated this. The angel of the Lord went to Cornelius and said, look, this is what you need to do. Then the, 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 the vision came to Peter and said, look, this is what's going to happen. Amen. And Peter starts arguing and says, no, Lord, I don't, I don't partake of this. I don't, I don't eat this. I don't, I don't, this is not what I do. I've never done this. Amen. And and this is all this is all this is all like church right now. It's like it's like we're trying to have a prayer meeting, but somebody's cooking downstairs. Right? And it's like you're having a prayer meeting or you're having a service and all of a sudden somebody's cooking in the kitchen and you start smelling that turkey or that roast beef or that or that, you know, the cooking downstairs or or maybe brother uh, singers and sister singers uh, French toast or or uh, or the uh, the uh, sausage gravy and biscuits and and all of that good stuff, you know. And then you, you can tell when somebody's cooking something up. And I don't know about you, but I notice. I could be in the anointing. I could be preaching and I'll say, I'll, I'll, in my mind, I'll say, that smells like bacon. Or that smells like this when they're cooking some pizza rolls on Sunday morning for the kids. I can smell that and I, I, I think, man, I better preach real fast. Because everybody's going to get a whiff of that and they're going to think, man, I'm getting hungry. Amen. So he's doing all this while lunch is being prepared. You know, God used this ordinary event, I think, to teach Peter a valuable lesson. Really honestly. Amen. Because you got to understand, the sheet descends out of, uh, uh, you know, uh, descends full of, of things that Peter knows I can't eat. Unclean animals. He says, I can't eat that. Amen. But obviously, even though Peter had been baptized in the name of the Lord and received the Holy Ghost, he was still observing the Old Testament Jewish law, the Jewish Old Testament law. Still, that still kind of was in their mindset and the way they governed themselves and the way they, they, they lived their life. And so God tells Peter to rise up, kill, eat these animals. Right? On the lighter side, I think it shows us that God's not a vegetarian. <laughs> That's corny, isn't it? 
But, 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 but Peter sits there and he refuses. You know the story. Thinking this is some kind of a test uh, of his devotion to the law. God's testing me right now. In reality, God was saying, look, Peter, I'm trying to get you out of this box. I'm trying to show you I'm preparing you for what I need you to do. Don't ever try to put God in a box. God, God did not come to save a certain few group of people, a certain ethnicity or a certain, or a certain uh, uh, you know, uh, nation or whatever like that. Uh, you know, the, the Jewish people had, had that and they messed it up. So God turned to the Gentiles, thank you, Lord. And then later on down the road, when he comes and gets us, he'll go back to them and bail them out. Just my terminology, just my way of saying things. All right, but understand this. So, so we got to realize Peter's like refuses this. No, I, I can't do that, Lord. No, yay, nor nothing unclean has touched these lips. It's a test. It's a test. But then God begins to minister to him and set him straight. Everybody, how many understands that every now and then we got to be set straight? Amen. Because he says, These things have I cleansed. And if I've cleansed them, you, you should no longer call them unclean. Don't call them unclean. And, and, and so, honestly, I think Peter was hard-headed because it ha- he had to give it to him three times. Now, how many knows that if your mom and dad had to tell you three times, you were in a boatload of trouble? Right? You, you had it. There, there, was, <laughs> there wasn't going to be no mercy involved in it now. Three times. If they had to tell you three times, really honestly, I don't think I ever got to the third time. In fact, if I ever got to the second time, it was all over. I was going to learn my lesson. Right? Amen. But, but this vision happened three times. Sometimes, sometimes you don't get it the first time. Right? Sometimes God tries to impress you something and you just kind of fly over it. You don't really get it. Sometimes it's the second time. Sometimes it comes to the third time and then you, you better get it, Peter. I'm trying to tell you something. God, God tells Peter, look, you need to go with these men that are going to show up at this house. I, I kind of have a sneaking suspicion that if, if he didn't have those, that vision three different times, you know, to get the point across, hey, stubborn Peter, listen to me. When these guys get here, you need to go with them. You need to go with them. Look at Acts 10, 22. And they, and they said, and they, they, they were talking about Cornelius and the centurion. And, and uh, they said, watch this. And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, and one that feareth God, and of good report among all the nation of the, the Jews, was warned from, uh, from God by the, and a holy angel to send for thee into the house and to hear the words of thee. Right? So you had Cornelius, the centurion. He's a just man. He's one that fears God. He's got a good report of all the nation of the Jews and was warned of God by the angel to send three into the house and hear the words. Now, here's the report of Cornelius. His his men arrive at the house and they call for Peter. Why did they call for Peter? Because that's what the angel said. Here's where he's at. Go get him and call for Peter. Then they give him the reason that they have come. And report to Cornelius. Right? Good report, saw an angel, all that. That's, that, that's, that's who is asking to come. What, what? Why am I going there? He's a Gentile. Right? He's a Gentile. He's not of our faith. You see, when these people got the Holy Ghost in the upper room on the day of Pentecost, amen, there was a lot of stuff that they held on to. Remember the debate that Paul and them had when he came back to Jerusalem and they were scathing him because of uh, him going out to all the uncircumcised nations around there and, and they felt like they still, if they become part of the church, they still need to be circumcised. And he said, no, man, it's a circumcision of the heart. See, God knew what he was doing when he brought Paul in. He knew what he was doing when he brought Paul in. Amen, because he knew the mission that he had for Paul that some of the other ones are having a problem with. Let me stop and tell you, the church is the, 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 is the whole gospel to the whole world. It makes no difference who we are, right? Do you believe that tonight? Clap your hands and praise God tonight. Doesn't matter who we are. 
man, I, I got, you know, it's like everybody, my, our Spanish people, I love them. And we got some Spanish people, Brother Bobby, that's tall. We got some that's mediocre. We got some that are short from some of the Central American countries, right? And then, you know, it's just like us. We got people that's tall. We got people that's medium. We got people short. We got people that's big, grande, and then what's that, extra grande? But Peter comes. He's a Gentile, he, but he agrees to go with them. Why is that? Because he was praying. God met him. Cornelius was praying, and God coordinated it. Everybody say, God coordinated it. I love it when God coordinates things. Because when God coordinates things, amen, you know it's going to happen. So in chapter 10, verse 25, 23, and just kind of follow with me here. He arrives. And uh, uh, Peter was coming in, and Cornelius meets him. And he falls down, fell down at his feet, and he begins to worship him. And, and so uh, the Bible says Peter took him up. He says, stand up. You know, I, I, I'm, not, I'm a man just like you are. I'm not, I'm not like, you know, something that you need to worship. And then the next verse, he goes on, and he talked with him. Amen. He went in, found, found many that were come together. And verse 28 said, he said to them, you know, you know how that it is unlawful. It's an unlawful thing for a man that is a Jew to keep company or come unto one of another nation. But he said, you know what? God. Everybody say God has showed me that I should, I should not call any man common or unclean. I think today, the church world needs to hear that message all over afresh again. Amen. That, that what God says is clean, you don't call it unclean. Amen. Because God is reaching out to all kinds of people. Amen. People that have it and people that don't have it. People that, 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 are, that have arrived uh, socioeconomically or whatever and those that don't have two pennies rubbed together. The church is the church and it remains the church because we understand that we are truly brothers and sisters in the Lord. It's not a they got this and I don't have that or whatever. We look out for each other, right? How many believes in that? And so he tried to worship Peter. And Peter says, stand up. I'm just like you. Don't ever think that you're better than somebody else because you're not. You're not. I hate to bust your bubble tonight, but you're not. Amen. Amen. Uh, you know, uh, we change that phrase now. Men put their pants on the same way. Ladies put their dress on the same way. Right? Amen. We don't, it's not, we're not, we're not different. What you have to do is remember where God brought you from. You got to remember where God brought you from. You ever you 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 ever lose that, you'll you'll notice that your spirituality and your and your relationship with God is suffering in some area. You got to always remember why, because if you remember where God brought you thumb from, it gives you a thankfulness. I'm just a man. Everybody say I'm just a man. All you ladies say I'm just a woman. I'm just a man. I'm just a woman. I'm just a teenager. I'm a, I'm a young man, young woman. I, don't worship me. I don't, you, you know, I'm, it's not about me. It's about him. And, 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 and so he goes on to describe. Basically what he was saying is, look, look, let me tell you, I'm here. What I have, you can have. Look, there's no reason in the world why every pew in this church should not be full of people that are worshiping and praising God and the house over us. Because it's there available for them. And we need to tell them, look, what I have, you can have. What the Lord's done for me, he can do for you. Right? He set me free, he can set you free. That's why I tell people, don't be embarrassed. I mean, you may have had some embarrassing things happen in your life. I mean, but, but I know a lot of people in church that used to be drug addicts or used to be alcoholics. And they used to smoke all kinds of cigarettes out the, you know, packs and packs of cigarettes and, and, and live in premier. I know a lot of people that have done all that kind of stuff. Amen. You look at them now, you would never dream of it. But yet, look what the Lord hath done. And look what God can do through that kind of a testimony that says, look what God done for me. What he done for me, he can do for you. So Peter was saying, look, you know, 
God can do something great for you. So he found many that uh, gathered together there and, and, and Cornelius had faith that Peter was going to come because that's what he was told and had faith that what Peter was going to say was just not a bunch of words, but it was going to be some, something important. Everybody say very important. Amen. That devil shows up in them lights. I'm about ready to. I'm surprised it's not that back here. It was that one the other day. Amen. We've been having fun with them. Hallelujah. Stop, please. So, so understand this. Um, he, he understood it was going to be important. It, it is unlawful. Everybody say unlawful. I'm breaking the Old Testament law. Peter understood that. I'm breaking the Old Testament law just by being here with you. That's why I talked about a few weeks ago when Philip was, was uh, preaching in, in, in Samaria and, and, and uh, they, were, they, were, they became believers and they were, filled, they were baptized in Jesus' name but did not receive the Holy Ghost. And, and he calls for Peter to come from Jerusalem out there. And when he came, laid hands on him, and then they received the Holy Ghost. And remember me explaining to you, uh, you know, the importance of that because what happened was they were dogs in their sight, right? They were dogs. In Jew, the Jews didn't like them, and they didn't like the Jews. But when Peter went out there from Jerusalem, it kind of put the, uh, uh, put the uh, what's the word I'm looking for, Brother Bobby? The acceptance and, and, and basically uh, uh, that said, okay. And so it brought unity to the church. Right? Unity should always be in the church. Is it? No. But it should be. We should be able to worship together no matter what our background is and where we come from. So he said, it's unlawful. According to Jewish law, I shouldn't be here. But you know what? God's above that. And God has shown me that we are all equal in his sight. Why did Jesus go to Samaria? Disciples were like, no, we don't go through Samaria, Lord. We go around Samaria. We don't, we don't travel through there. And he said, I, there's a need. I've got to go. I must needs go through Samaria. Why? Because there was a woman he knew was going to be at the well. She wasn't there at the same time with everybody else. And he began to talk to her. And look what happened. She went away. Others came. And, and the place was changed. Amen. I'm telling you, when there's an encounter with God, things are going to happen. And so Cornelius tells Peter about his own vision. Tells Peter that he has gathered his family to hear from God. And then Peter begins to talk to him in Acts 10, 34, 35. The Bible says he opened his mouth. Everybody say he opened his mouth. You know, it doesn't take a rocket science to know that if you're going to say anything, you've got to open your mouth. Right? Right? Some people, I mean, it's just, it's just it's science. Some people have, have a bigger mouth than others. You know? You can laugh at that, folks. Peter opened his mouth and said, of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. No, everybody say he's not a respecter of persons. But in every nation that feareth him and worketh righteousness, you know, he says, you know what, is accepted with him. Right? Amen. God is no respecter of persons. None. I've been in different countries preaching, and I'll tell you what, I've preached to, I've preached to Spanish people, I've preached to Filipinos, I've preached to Chinese people. Right? I preach to different, different nationalities. I preach to. And you know, what, you know what's comforting to me? Is that we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. I've been to the islands. I preach to Haitians. I pre we're just we're brothers and sisters in the Lord. We are a part of the body of Christ. And that's what we've got to understand. We're part of the body of Christ. It's a soul. It's a person. It's not, you know, it's not, you know, it's like, it's, it's like the body of Christ is around the world. It's like uh, people that are in Europe or people that are in Africa or people that are in Asia or people that are in South America, Central America, North America, wherever you might be. It's the church. It's the body of Christ. Amen. So whoever we come in contact, God is no respecter person. Everybody say that. God loves everybody the same. Every nation, he that fears God. He that works righteousness, as Cornelius proved out, is accepted. Everybody's accepted. And you know what? You and I, 
We can be accepted. When you talk about the death, burial, resurrection, that's the, that, that is the, the most important message that you're going to speak to anybody about. You can talk about a lot of things, but if you're not talking about repentance, baptism in Jesus' name, the infilling of the Holy Ghost, you're not doing your job. Because you can read the Bible, you can preach a lot of stuff, but if they're not changed, it's not going to matter. So he talks about the old foundation, the Old Testament foundation uh, for Jesus being Savior. He goes on to verse 43, he said, To him, to him give all the prophets witness that through his name, whosoever believeth in him shall receive remission of sins. And then verse 48, 44 to 48 I'm losing track of time here, but let's look at, let's look at what it says. And, and so he's preaching this message to him. How many, how, many, how many knows how exciting it is when somebody's preaching or when somebody's singing and all of a sudden the, the, the power of God begins to fall, right? I mean, that's what we always should strive for. Every time, every time an evangelist graces this pulpit or one of the ministry team in, there, in the church graces the pulpit, amen, whoever's preaching, whoever's doing that, the first thing we need to say is prepare ourselves for God to move during the preaching of the word or during the singing of the songs. I want God to move. I want, you know, if there's a visitor in the house, I want them to feel something that they've never felt before in their life. I want them to say, wow, I haven't felt this before. I think I'll check this out again. The Holy Ghost falls. Everybody say the Holy Ghost falls. And so he says, while Peter yet spake these words, verse 44, while he yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished. What? As many as came with Peter because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. You've got to be kidding me. Man, we, man, I thought this was exclusively for us. Man, this upper room experience, I thought, man, it was just for us. They thought they had a corner on the market, and now their mind was blowed. Why? Because the Holy Ghost that they got now falling on these Gentile people. These, you know, it's like, like David, uh, this uncircumcised Philistine. Uh, you come to me in sword and spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord. Right? Amen, they're there that day and they're like, they're all, you know, we got it, man, you ain't got it. And they don't know what's going on, but they came with Peter. And all of a sudden, when it started falling on the uncircumcised people, they're like, whoa, they were amazed, astonished. Because the Holy Ghost was poured out on these Gentiles. Verse 46, why did they know that? Why, why did they know that? Because they heard him speak with tongues and magnify God. And then answered Peter, can any forbid water that these should not be baptized which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then prayed they him to tarry certain days. What a tremendous day. Can you imagine? Can you imagine going to somebody's home that you were testifying to or that you were witnessing to that you were, and all of a sudden you get there and there's other people sitting around the table and you minister and the light goes on in their mind as they see the necessity of being filled with the Spirit and being baptized in His name. Oh, there's something about that. There's something about that. Praise God. In fact, I'm fixing to baptize my granddaughter here in a minute. She has found her voice. I believe, I believe uh, Sister Remy and Brother Jeremy are going to be great worshipers. They already are, right? But you don't have to wait. Folks, listen, understand. You know, we've got this mindset that we've got to wait for an altar call be before anybody can get saved. Do you know while the preaching of the word is going forth, somebody can be, be, be filled with the Holy Ghost? Amen. Speaking of the tongues as, the, as, as we're preaching the word. Do you know we're singing songs? you know when the presence of God comes in like this? Do you know that God can move on somebody right there? I'm, tell, I'm, tell, I'm telling you right now, if we prepare the way and you and I start sowing that seed in our prayer life and we begin to believe the word of God that it can happen... 
And then all of a sudden, they, they, they strike up the chord and they begin to sing. Amen. And, 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 and you know, I, I believe this. If, 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 if we as a worship team and our musicians or whatever, if they're in the mindset and they begin to worship as they're doing it and they plugged into it, I'm telling you, it's going to come from here to there and there to here. And then God's going to get to move. You don't have to wait. You don't have to wait. Everybody say, I don't have to wait. You say, Pastor, why do you say that? Because I'm going to tell you right now, sometimes we've waited too long. And it comes, and it goes. You see, the believing Jews knew that the household of Cornelius, they knew, they knew they received the Holy Ghost. Why? Because it was the same thing that they had received. Right? They heard them speak with tongues. You know, it is possible that Gentiles receive the Holy Ghost first. You know, uh, you know, there's a divine gift. So, so Peter would not be hesitant for them to be baptized in Jesus' name. You know, baptism replaces the Old Testament circumcision. Let me say it again. Baptism replaces the Old Testament circumcision. And this makes the Gentiles officially part of the church. So what God hath joined together... As we say in the wedding, elder, let no man separate. Let no man separate. God's going to build his church. Not our church. He's going to do it his way. Not our way. We, if we're not careful, we just get in the way. But we just got to open our vessel and say, here I am, God, use me, right? And so Peter commands them to be baptized. Folks, baptism is not an option. I'm quitting right now. Baptism is not an optional thing. You must be born again of the water and of the Spirit to enter in. You've got to be born again. You must be. And baptism is just not a formality or just not some kind of a function of the church or, or some kind of a ritual that you do and, and that makes you a part of the, of the church itself. No, baptism, you have to repent, you have to be baptized, you have to receive the Holy Ghost. So let me say this in closing. Good deeds cannot save you. Good works cannot save you. And also understand this, God is the one that works things together and everybody can find salvation. It's not an exclusive thing for one group of people. It's for all, to all that are willing to repent. Be buried in his name, he's with the Spirit. Amen. Do you still believe he's the way, the truth, and the life? He's the door. He's the one that can change your life. Amen. It's a simple thing, folks. This message is not, it, you, you don't have to be an Einstein. You just got to be an open heart, open mind. You got to be able to receive it. That's what God wants to do for us. Look, I, I don't know how you feel. You know, I lost my dad in 84, my mom in uh, 2005, you know. Years ago. It's the things that they instilled in me, my heart, the life that they lived before me that keeps me on target today. The prayers that they prayed, the sermons my dad preached, the songs my mother sang. It's, it's, it's those old timers. There's some of you that have been here been away a long time. It's, it's, the, it's the consistency of those that are there. That, and many of them that have gone on before, they have gone on. But yet, they still speak. And we have to be determined to follow after that. Don't ever take them for granted. Don't call them old fogies. Don't say they, 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 they were in that time and they needed to stay in that time. Because I'm telling you right now, the God that filled them with the Holy Ghost, whenever it was, is the same God that's filling you with the Holy Ghost today. It has not changed. Let's stand together or I'll, I'll take off and go another, another 20, 30 minutes.
So, folks, the first church was important. And you and I are here tonight, and we've got to realize that, that this, the thing that Peter did is the same thing we've got to do. First of all, we've got to be receptive when God speaks to our hearts. We've got to be receptive. We've got to realize that God wants to use us in ways that will absolutely change the hearts and the lives of people. Do you believe that tonight? Let's sing something, Sister Nikki. Come on, raise your hand. Sing it unto the Lord. Your presence, Lord, by your presence, Lord. 